Welcome to another edition of the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you usually listen to your podcasts. My name is Frank Barker, the head of marketing at Azo Network, where you can also subscribe. My guest this week is a seasoned audiovisual pro with over a decade's experience working within scientific communications, having filmed all around the globe from Japan to British Columbia and everywhere in between. He has also played drums, bass, and guitar over his substantial musical career, not to mention the fact that he has a master's in green chemistry and is a key part of the creative department at Azo Network. It's Mr. Will Souter. So, Will, how are you doing today? Hi, Frankie. Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Excellent. We're here to talk about, well, this is a podcast about podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, some sort of Shakespearean theme of a play within a play there, or uh, I don't know, maybe Inception, where it's just, it's you're always into another level. Yeah, we're a few levels down now. We're always a level first. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll assume we'll probably do a, a video of podcast about podcasts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So, which types of podcasts do you listen to, and whereabouts do you listen to them? Uh, I actually listen to quite a lot of different sorts of podcasts. Uh, I started getting into them uh, maybe a couple of years ago as sort of something to listen to on a commute. I found some things like the sort of daily news digest podcasts and stuff like that were really good for like a morning train journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess that was when I started to get back into podcasts and sort of see what was going on. But there's there's all kinds that I find pretty interesting. You know, obviously, there's a huge amount of stuff in the sort of news and current affairs area, uh, but also like fiction and stuff about um, music production. You know, there's, all, there's all kinds of, of podcasts that I find pretty interesting. Yeah, something for every niche. You mentioned on the commute there. So I think I've often seen you on the commute because we, we, well, we live in the same town and we went to the same school even. But uh, mm-hmm. we often get the same train. And yeah, I'm the same. Uh, daily news, um, sort of investing podcasts about you know, current affairs, et cetera. Yep. Uh, sports as well. Obviously, there's, there's something for every, every niche. But it's not always been like that. Um, or certainly for me, at least, because I know podcasts have been around for years, but it's only maybe in the last two or three years that I've actually started you know, listening to sort of more than, well, well, multiple podcasts on a weekly basis. They've become easier than ever to listen to. So you wouldn't have always been able to access them on Spotify or, or iTunes or wherever you might listen to them. Um, but now it's, now it's, 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 it's almost too hard not to listen to them because they're so easily accessible and readily available. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think, as you say, the last two or three years, they've had something of a resurgence and you know, it seems like we're almost in a sort of golden age at the moment because there are, you know, there's so much content there that is in podcast form. And I think, yeah, initially when they were sort of invented, it was when the uh, when the iPod came out, which was, you know, hence the name, you know, casting these uh, sort of shows to to an iPod. Obviously, the iPod originally wasn't internet connected in any way. You'd have to download it on your computer uh, and then sync it through iTunes. So, you know, that, that was a whole sort of process. So there was an initial excitement when you know, they became a thing in the first place. But then, yeah, I think they kind of died away into the background a bit for a few years. But it's, yeah, I agree. It's been the advent of streaming platforms like Spotify, where you have access to it directly in your pocket now. And and so many creators and both independent creators and bigger companies, you know, sort of media companies have taken advantage of that. And it's just kind of exploded. And there's, yeah, there's so much now to choose from. 
So just to, to give everyone an idea um, about your sort of your background, tell us a little bit about your, your day-to-day role at Azo. Sure. So um, I work on the creative team. I do a variety of different jobs uh, within that, but my main uh, focus for the last couple of years has been on video production, where we will, well, until very recently, <laughs> until very recently, uh, you know, we used to travel around to events or to go and visit clients and to shoot video on site. And audio, obviously, is always a very important part of that, particularly the kind of video we do, which is often interview content, uh, talking to scientists. Essentially, we'd film 15 to 40, 45 minutes, sometimes more of interview footage, and then cut that down to digestible blocks. But if you can't hear and understand what people are saying, and that's not coming across clearly, then the video is not going to be very good. So audio has always been a huge part of that. And in my background, even before I was at Azo, I've been interested in audio production for a very long time. I'm a musician and sort of my hobby is sort of playing guitar and drums. So right back from being at school, you know, I was into music tech and sort of recording music as part of that. So I think that's, you know, that played into it as well. And that was part of why I got into video was that, you know, having those uh, skills from audio production gave me a sort of a leg up, a bit of a shortcut into video editing because you know, many of the skills are the same. What are the different styles of podcast and particularly in a science and engineering um, sphere, as more and more sort of people try to create high quality content within those industries, um, which styles do you think would work best? I was going to say there's basically two kinds. You can, you know, you can either script them or have it unscripted, but really that's more of a continuum between those two. It's a sliding scale. Like it's um, some, particularly some of like the shorter daily digest kind of news podcasts tend to be really scripted. You know, you've got a presenter reading out the stories essentially, and they're going to drop in maybe clips of interviews and sound bites and stuff, but it's very highly produced, very tightly edited. And then the opposite of that is kind of the rambling interview podcast, the kind of Joe Rogan style where you've literally just got two people, maybe three people, and they just chat for as long as they want to chat for. But I don't know. I think, again, this could be a more recent thing as as people have explored podcasts more. The, you see more people sort of playing around with the ground in between that. So quite a lot of people will have, particularly in the sort say in the you know in news podcasts, the presenter will read out an introduction that's scripted about a certain topic or news story. And then they'll go into a discussion with a guest or a panel of guests to talk about that more freely. So it's not necessarily one or the other. I think in the scientific space and you know the kind of uh, areas that we deal with, there's room to do either, definitely. But the the style that fits most closely with what we've had success with is just what I was talking about with the videos we do. You know, you do it essentially, you find a scientist that's got a cool message to share and you let them talk about it and the interview is pretty open-ended. So I think that's probably the the way to focus because we, we've already seen that that works in both written interviews and video interviews. So I think for a podcast, that's that's kind of a no-brainer as a style is just, you know, essentially having an, a fairly open-ended interview rather than scripting anything too, too tightly. You prefer having that sort of open-ended, uh, long-style conversation rather than sort of almost getting them to learn their lines and, and sending questions over. Yeah, I think so, definitely. If you're talking to scientists and engineers, I think because of the nature of the work, so many of them are so passionate about what they're doing and have so much to tell you that you might not necessarily know if you're trying to script it ahead of time. You don't always know what's going to come out of the interview. You know, we've found some, some of the best sort of moments in videos or written interviews that we've got were where we got an answer we didn't necessarily expect, or it was a question that occurred during the conversation on the spot. And if you were trying to script it and plan it all too tightly, then that just wouldn't happen or you know, you, there wouldn't be space for that. 
an agenda of a few open-ended, a semi-structured conversation almost, but encourage them to go off-piste. And, and uh, I suppose that the the magic really happens in the editing um, with videos and with podcasts. Yeah, yeah exactly. P- finding those moments and pulling them out, highlighting them. Um, so what about video podcasts? Have you, have you seen many um, many of those coming coming about or had many requests for that that kind of content? That's definitely something we've talked about, yeah. Obviously, we've started doing this podcast and we've had a lot more conversations uh, about producing podcasts largely because of the lockdown situation that we've had for the last few months because it is something you can do remotely without really having to lose much quality. Whereas with video, that's not the case. You know, it's relatively straightforward to get good quality audio and you know, have a have a call and do an interview remotely if all you're looking to do is audio. As soon as you want to add video to that, then everyone's going to have a decent webcam. Not everyone's comfortable being on camera. They might be in a home office that isn't ideal. You know, there's a, there's a whole other layer of complexity there. Um, and the, the sort of video podcasts you see that are successful tend to be the ones that are done in almost a sort of radio studio style setup where there's a room which is the room where they always record every time so they have their mic set up they have their cameras set up and all they got to do is push go on everything so if you've got that sort of situation like you know like a lot of radio shows do and again like joe rogan's setup then that can be really good having that video content is is a really nice addition to it but if you don't have that sort of setup then it is quite a lot more effort to get there and it's a case of just deciding what you know what the kind of uh costs and benefits are of of doing that and yeah remotely it's it's pretty tricky it's not but it's not impossible and then once we can go and do things in person again then it'll be the same you know if we've got to go to a to somewhere and set up a room to do a podcast that'll be really cool content but it you know it will be you know considerable amount more effort than just plugging in a couple of microphones yeah um Okay, so you're talking about effort and how hard stuff is, but how hard is it to create quality or high quality, unique content these days? Uh, I think that's exactly the key. I think it's in the content. I think recording a podcast is not particularly hard. Anyone who can you know, navigate most sort of digital tools or use Excel or you know any of these things, like it's no harder to use than any anything else. Um, particularly now, everyone's more comfortable with uh, you know things like Zoom and Microsoft Teams and all the various remote tools. Like you know, it's it's basically the same. The difficulty comes in in bringing that to a professional sounding quality, and it and a lot of that is in uh, the actual content. Getting the content to your podcast to a point where it's engaging and it's going to be interesting. Like if you're just going to turn a mic on and ramble, getting it to a point where it's that really it's really slick and engaging is is quite a lot harder which is the same with any content that you know anyone can scribble down a blog post but getting something that's going to be engaging and hit your audience in the right way there's a different skill to that which is you know it's not the easiest thing to learn yeah i certainly try and write from the heart i did one on the diary of a marketer how to run a podcast so not too dissimilar to what we're talking about right now (laughs) but i find that if you're actually you've actually been through the pain point you've been through all of the trouble of of pulling it all together and and um you know from recording to inviting the guests to post-production and Mm -hmm. you know working with people um it it just resonates so much better because it's it's real content It's, it's about real experiences that have happened to you and and you're actually producing that content for other people just like you exactly yeah write what you know 
remains the uh, the best shortcut to that. <laughs> okay, so um, we've covered uh, like a bit of an intro into podcasts. What about when it comes to the hardware and what pe- what you actually use to record the kit you use to record the sound? Um, you know what works. Uh, I suppose from a host perspective or or from even a guest perspective, uh, what do you recommend? I think those two things are different. I think if you're hosting a podcast, if you're presenting it, I think it's really important that you have you know, the best sound quality you can achieve because that's going to add a, you know, a, a professional feel to the whole thing that goes away very quickly if your audio quality drops as the host. Uh, for guests, you can, there's a little bit more leeway. You know, it's not as crucial that you have the absolute top quality audio, but it's still important that, it's, that everything is clear and audible and you don't have any sort of major issues with noise or you know anything like that. Yeah, you don't want to detract from the real message or the message or the, the content of what you're talking about. In fact, I, it was something that you introduced to me and I didn't know. You don't know what crap audio sounds like until you've actually like produced something and put your heart and soul into something and then you've heard it and it's come out like terrible basically so it's well we're going to do a, a short short demo now aren't we where we we you've got three mics in front of you like from the laptop mic yes uh, what else have you, what else have you got so i've got yeah i've got the the mic that spills into my laptop uh so yeah this is uh the mic that's just in my laptop just a built-in mic so this is what most guests are going to have everyone's got this um you know if, if someone isn't prepared at all then this is probably what you're going to get uh, and you can hear like my voice sounds pretty thin pretty distant because my laptop's a little way across the desk from me so it's you know it's further away um you might hear a bit of uh noise from the laptop itself from the fan um so this is definitely less than ideal particularly if you're going to be the presenter or the host like you want something better than this so th- there is some stuff you can do with this in post-production so if i turn on some of the post-production you can hear that you can get rid of some of the noise and you can make it sound a little bit smoother and a little bit better, uh, but it's still you know, pretty far from ideal. Even if you're only a guest, like you probably want to sound better than this because you, know, you might uh, people might struggle to understand. Yeah, I've been on calls where people try people have got something valuable to say, but you just can't hear them. You're straining your brain or your ears so hard to try and interpret and understand what they're saying that you just not you can't the message doesn't resonate yeah completely uh so this i've just switched the mic now to the second one so this is a a usb mic so it's sat on the desk in front of me a little bit closer than the laptop is uh and it is a dedicated mic rather than the one built into the laptop so it's going to sound a little bit better uh this this i would say would be fine this kind of thing would be okay for a guest probably you know it's clear enough that you're not going to miss anything with this but as you as you said, once you hear the difference with a real mic, you know a proper professional mic, uh, there's almost no going back, really. Yeah, let's step it up. Let's let's hit them with the NPR standard BBC ABC hardware. Absolutely. So this is back to my proper mic. So I've got a, a professional condenser mic plugged into a USB audio interface that's external. So we're not even using the um, computers own audio processing it's you know it's an external preamp and everything uh so this is pretty much you know what you'd see in recording studios in radio studios you know 
high budget podcasts, I happen to be enough of an audio nerd to have a couple of these lying around in my house. So it's what I'm using because it's the best I've got. Mm -hmm. And the rule always with this, whatever you have is use the best you've got. Yeah. Um, and even here, so up to now, uh, I haven't had any post-processing on. If I turn that on now, you can hear, even with this, there's less of a difference. There's less to fix, but you can still improve the sound a little bit. Just round off the edges, any stray background noise that is getting in, you can get rid of that. And that's some of what we do uh, with this podcast, you know, with all the guests and with your recordings, you know, just, just polish them up a bit. Yeah, and that's that's what I've got here is I've got the Zoom, the Zoom H6 recorder, which is external audio processing. Um, mm -hmm. And what about if you are getting guests on from all over the world? What would you recommend would be the minimum that, that they that they they use themselves? Could they do it with Air, AirBuds or what would you say? I'd say you know don't use the laptop mic. Get something external, something like either AirPods or. Um, any of the, you know, there are a whole bunch of different models of uh, fairly affordable USB headsets that have headphones and a mic built in. The benefit of those, as you heard with my laptop mic and the USB mic that was on my desk, one of the main problems with those is that they're just further away from my mouth, further away from my face. So you're going to, you know, the further away from uh, the source of the sound you are, the more noise from the room you're going to pick up. So this mic that I'm speaking into now is literally right under my mouth and it's just makes the whole sound much more direct. So a headset, even a cheap one, will do that automatically. You're going to get less echo from the room and less background noise just because the mic's right near your mouth. If you're going to be doing any sort of podcasting or remote interviews, even a lot of calls, uh, which I think everyone is doing at the moment, you know, video calls, I think it's it's definitely worth spending you know a few tens of pounds or dollars. They don't have to break the bank. Um, but something that gets a decent quality mic near to your mouth will uh, have the biggest improvement. Yeah, I think so. Even if it's just for one podcast or one call, you're going to use it in your personal life. You know, mm -hmm. if even I, I was on a family call with all the aunties and uncles the other day and you sort of got the, you've got that sort of video image of, of your aunties holding holding the phone up to their ear. As soon as I start speaking, it gives you a voice and everyone can hear you crystal clear. Seems a bit unfair, actually, that you, you just <laughs> got the loudest voice so everyone hears you. You know, e even away from that, I bought a couple of Echo shows for the family and, you know, I got a, what was it, a Kindle Fire HD? So it's like mm -hmm. a tablet versus a, a standalone unit that, that's the Echo show's got its own speakers built into it. You notice the difference between, even when you put your phone on loudspeaker, it's that difference between that sort of tinny tablet or, or phone against, you know, something that's purpose-built for audio and for yeah. audio conferencing and calls and the rest of it. Yeah, and like you said, that's just it. It's, it's the stuff that's purpose-built. It's something where the audio quality has been prioritized. So in a laptop or a tablet, it's got a microphone and it's got speakers, but they're not the priority. They've spent more money on the screen and the memory and the processing. The audio is uh, just whatever they can fit in the box and fit in the budget, basically. It's it's got it's going to be a compromise with any you know device that does it all like that. Um, as soon as you start buying external devices or ones where audio is a much bigger part of what they do, it's going to get a bigger part of the development, a bigger part of the manufacturing budget. They're going to get better parts, and the uh, the other thing is more space. Like you're saying with the Echo Show, like that's a it's a larger device, so you can put a bigger speaker in it. If you're looking at a um, AirPods or a laptop, they've only got so much space where they can fit a microphone in. So it's going to be, you know, maybe it's the best one they can get in that size, but something that's bigger where the electronics can be more complicated, 
um, is you know is almost always going to be an improvement. Um, all right, so we touched on the hardware. What about the the type of software? What should your software be able to do? What what are we looking at? What are the key features? Um, so there's a few options that are really good for audio processing. Again, it doesn't doesn't have to be expensive. Uh, one of the uh, most popular pieces of software for editing podcasts actually is Audacity, which is completely free. Um, we use Reaper, which is has a a good free trial, and the licenses are pretty affordable. Uh, that's because that's the one that I use, you know, that one that I'm sort of accustomed to. So you know, I've t- taught you to use that as well. Basically, you know, editing the audio for a podcast is there's there's nothing really really complicated. So even even if you're using something like Reaper or something like uh, Pro Tools or Adobe Audition, like you know, the sort of professional audio software, there's a ton of features in there that you're not going to need to use. Uh, essentially, you just need something that'll let you balance the levels between the different speakers so you've got particularly if you're recording remotely you're going to have you know different channels for each speaker you know, that you've recorded some people might be louder than each other because of their voice or their microphone you need to balance those out so they sound roughly even and then you know something that lets you do a bit of uh, equalization noise reduction and you know overall compression and volume leveling and the amount of that that you do is is up to you you know there's there's a certain amount that's sort of recommended after a certain point it becomes kind of nitpicking and polishing to a point where you know it, it gives you a real professional sheen uh the amount i do on these podcasts is probably a little overkill for what most people are listening to um but that's just because you know i've been doing this for so long that i've you know it's my ear has been trained to <laughs> to hear these things that really bug me if i don't fix them that perfectionist musician's ear Yes. <laughs> um, there's an initial level of, you know, essentially correcting problems that you should be able to do. If if there's some bad background noise or something sounds really harsh, like you should be able to fix that. And and those aren't particularly difficult to do. There's some great software that'll that's you know, it's easy to do that. And then after that it's basically essentially diminishing returns, sort of chasing more and more quality. Yeah, I think you're probably doing yourself a disservice there. You um you find them not you know pretty simple to do or, or not very difficult because you've got you know 20 years of musical background and of sound engineering behind you whereas I, I i've tried to do as much of it as i can um as the sort of marketing manager in the middle yeah my journey through being a, a, a podcast host and podcast editor has been it's like your typical hollywood journey the, the hero's arc where i'd be a you'd be the yoda to to my luke skywalker Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't. I think that the the toughest thing is pulling everything together and doing it in a timely fashion. It would take me all week to do this and do it well, um, it, you know. And I've got 101 other things that I've got to do as a market manager, mm-hmm. and I just wouldn't get to them. Yeah, that's that's probably true. And I think a lot of it is, um, you know, with the experience of it as well. Like I say, it's it's, it's training your ear to some extent. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. uh, even if you are just fixing fairly simple problems. I've been doing this for long enough that I can listen to the audio rather than just, you know, anyone might be able to tell that "Ah, that isn't quite right. There's a problem with it, but I can hear it and go, yeah, I know what that problem is and I know how to fix it Yeah, and just grab the tool and do it. It's like anything, you know, if you, if you know your tools and you know what they do and you're used to listening, you know, used to finding the problems and applying the right tools, then it's at that point, then it's straightforward. But getting to that point does take some time. 
Yeah, and because it's visual as well, it's all visually represented on on the software. Mm-hmm. I know you can see the sound. Yeah, you know, you know when someone's shouting, or you know when someone's repeating themselves, or you you pick up the patterns in the sound waves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if something's too loud, or if someone's pausing too long, or if people are talking over each other, that needs sort of editing out. Uh, yeah, I can usually see that coming down the timeline before I get to it. <laughs> Moving on to the guests, what, what sort of um, what sort of people would you invite onto the podcast, or you know, how would you how do you decide on which guests you have and which content that you, you're going to go down? Well, that's the that's the million dollar question. I think, as I said, that's you know, the technical side is all tools that you can learn. You know, it might be difficult at first, but it's really just a case of practice. But getting content that's really good and really valuable um is i don't think that ever gets much easier i think you can get better at it but i think that's always quite a hard quite a hard thing to get exactly right i think anyone that has uh, an interesting perspective that you as a as a host and the interviewer are going to find the conversation interesting i think then that will translate into interest for the listeners you know just in your enthusiasm and like the fact that you're enjoying the conversation i think that's that i think that will pretty much always come across what do you find are the most common objectives and why, why, what's the why behind why people do podcasts? I think it's like, uh, certainly, you know, in, in our sort of area, I think it's like any content marketing, it's another channel, you know, it's another way that people do digest content, you know, and as, as we've said, are doing so more and more, you know, it's, you know, it's a really popular, um, way for people to consume content. Um, so it's another way to, you know, whatever audience you have, it's another way to connect with them when they might not uh, be able to sit down and read a blog post or they might not be able to watch a video. You're, uh, you're making it more likely that you'll grab a piece of their attention because there's you know, a whole other portion of their day when maybe they're commuting or they're going for a jog or you know, whatever it is, doing their washing up. They can listen to a podcast when they might not be able to consume other sorts of media, which is exactly why people like them. And as marketers or as people who want to speak to an audience of any, of any kind, that's valuable sort of real estate. Yeah, you know, it's valuable attention time. So brand awareness and thought thought leadership, um, you know, themes coming through. So on to distribution now. We talked about how to create the content and the podcast. It's it's always got to be about the user and listening to it on their terms in their favorite place. Mm-hmm. Um so how how hard is it to get into, say, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or what are the steps? So again, this is something that's uh become a lot easier. There are uh, plenty of distribution platforms out there which will help you do exactly that. We use one called Acast. There's a whole range of them, uh, which all do largely the same job. Essentially, all these, as you say, these places where people will choose to go and listen to podcasts, whether that's Google or Apple or Spotify, they have a format that they want your podcast to be uh, delivered to them in. They'll want the audio files to be a certain format. They'll want uh, the title of the show, the title of the episode, the descriptions, any of the keywords and tags, the artwork, all of that will need to be in a particular format. But essentially what all of these podcast distribution services let you do is you just upload the information in a sort of fairly simple form-filling way, like posting a blog on a CMS, and they distribute that in a way that is readable by all of these different services. So you publish it once through your distribution channel of choice, and it will then post that, post that on, send that on to the various players and listening apps and streaming apps. 
uh, Apple has a slight. You mentioned that that was the the sort of standard in podcasting from the beginning, but it has a, it does have a slightly higher standard, doesn't it? It's still a bit more stringent on what it lets into the Apple Podcast Store. Yeah, so that's the that's probably the most that's sort of the trickiest part to do is that when you first publish your podcast, it needs to be approved to appear on all these um, these platforms. And yes, they they all have again. As, as some of them have different formats, they all have different standards for you know, what an approved podcast needs to be. Um, most people won't have an issue with that, but it still needs to go through the process and be checked. And that can uh, certainly with Apple, that can take a couple of weeks, uh, partly because they, I think, yeah, they are a bit more stringent uh, because they're seen as sort of a gold standard. So, you know, uh, some of the smaller podcast apps will, if something appears in Apple Podcasts, they'll literally just copy it and assume that it's fine and they you know, save their own cost by not having to recheck it. So because of things like that, Apple you know, holds itself to a slightly higher standard. Uh, but also it's, you know, they've got a, a big backlog to work through. I think they, you know, they they give themselves that much time just so that they don't get overwhelmed with having to check too many of these at once. Because they do, I think, go through a manual review. So yeah, certainly that's what we found when we published the podcast at first. The first episode, you know, appears on a couple of platforms straight away. Then a couple of days later, it appears on a few more. And then another couple of days later, and it's like, oh, good, Spotify. That's happened now here on Spotify. Yeah. And then it's a whole a whole week later before it turns up in Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Yeah, you can even integrate Spotify directly into Acast, can't you? So that the analytics plugs in and, and you can see how many downloads you get. Yes. Yeah, that's right. The analytics from Spotify Podcasts uh, plugs back into Acast. And again, all you know, the various different distribution tools will all have various analytics tools. That's that's probably one of the things that sets them apart is what their analytics API is like. Something that'll play into people's choice for which one they use. Well, what about um, for the Google Podcast Player? Is there Google Podcasts, Google Music, YouTube, Google Play? Yeah. So, what's the difference? So, yeah, the the Google ecosystem for this for podcasts is is kind of complicated. It's, it's sort of um, it's it's a little bit fragmented. So, obviously, they have that their, their equivalent to Apple Music or Spotify is Google Play Music. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the US or Canada, I believe the podcasts are part of Google Play Music, just like they're part of Spotify. It's just another thing that you can get in there. Uh, but that's not the case outside of the US and Canada. Um, okay. Then you have a separate app called Google Podcasts, um, which is simpler. Obviously, it's more stripped back. It doesn't have all the features of Google Play Music, but it does have you know, it, it does have all the podcast feeds. As you say, YouTube, which isn't specifically a podcast platform as such, but there are some really high-profile podcasts like Joe Rogan and others um, that use it as their main distribution channel because the you know, the video part of that is you know a large part of it for shows like that. So they use YouTube so that they can add um, the video component. So yeah, it's it's a little bit complicated, and I think some of that will get harmonized and sort of simplified over the next few years. I know Google are planning at some point to roll Google Play Music into YouTube Music because actually at this point, a lot more people use YouTube as a music discovery service than use Google Play. So they're sort of consolidating those together and where podcasts will end up sitting during that process, I'm I'm not really sure. This is another really good reason to use a distribution tool like Acast or like Podbean or any of the others is that They'll handle all of this. They'll they'll tell you what the big <laughs> what the big players are and how to get into them. Um, and, you know, all, as you say, you didn't really sort of know anything about 
exactly how all these things work together. I didn't really either until uh, we set up this podcast and it was like, okay, hang on. So we do need to get into, because because I don't live in the US, I'd, I'd assumed Google Podcasts was the one we needed to go for, but actually we needed to do Google Play Music as well for the US. And I'm like, okay, this is, yeah, this is complicated. So, so again, it doesn't seem, it's not too difficult to do, but you've actually got about 50 different steps to, 50 different hoops to jump through. Hoop jumping is the right term, definitely. Um, it's it's not no step is particularly complicated, but to get things approved in all these different places, there are you know there are a few steps to go through. Once you've got your show approved, though, once your podcast is listed in these various places, new adding new episodes to that is relatively simple. So you don't have to go through this with every episode. Mm-hmm. You just do it initially when you set up your show, and then adding new episodes, uh, in some cases, literally takes an hour or two. Yeah. Uh, so once the show has been approved overall, then it's just sending updates and it's fairly straightforward. It's it's getting a new show approved where there's all these hoops to jump through. And yeah, it's something to bear in mind if you're starting a new podcast. Um, it does take some time and you should allow, you know, a, a few weeks at the start. Like don't, you know, if you have a launch date in mind where you need it out for some event or a product launch or something, give yourself plenty of time ahead of that to make sure everything's ready. And the trailer was a big one, wasn't it? So you can you can actually do a sort of teaser trailer. It only has to be a minute or two, three minutes or whatever. But you that that's basically smoothing the path and making sure that you can get something from an idea into the podcast players via the distribution platforms. It, it can take up to 14 days, I think, I read somewhere. But fortunately, it, it gives you the opportunity to to make sure that, you know, to test that it does show up in the right places. Particularly if there's anything, like say, if there's an episode that's particularly time sensitive, that's the first episode, it's probably going to appear on all the different platforms at different times. Some of them the next day, some of them 14 days later, depending on how long they take to approve it. So yeah, if that's the case, it's definitely a good idea to do a little 30 second teaser um, that's not time critical. You know, it's not crucial content that you're giving away. So it doesn't really matter where it appears everywhere. And then once it has got through everywhere, then you know that once you put out your actual real episode, your real first episode, then it'll be, um, then it'll be a straightforward process, and you'll be able to predict when everything will arrive. Getting onto the distribution platforms, um, what about uh, more specific distribution channels um, where, where you're actually promoting the podcast through? Well, SEO jumps to mind because I know a lot of our podcasts. Um, if you search for the title of the podcast in Google. Um, they will, they'll be on the top front page of Google, which helps tremendously with SEO. So if there's a you know a keyword or something that you're looking to target, that really does help, um, especially when you double down and you transcribe the piece or you create the sort of um, audio visual snippets as well. Um, what about social media? How, how have you seen, uh, which ways can you sort of bait the hooks and, and encourage more people to listen to, to pieces of the podcast? Well, social media, it's interesting. Um, I think obviously if you just, share a link to the podcast on social media the way most people browse social media i don't know if they'll necessarily be ready to sit down and listen to a 40 minute podcast Mm -hmm. the you know they're looking for quickly consumable content at that point um so something we've been trying out is uh video snippets so we'll take a snippet of the audio from a podcast which had a you know a particularly nice soundbite that had you know some salient point in it um and we'll make a little video clip of that uh, just showing like the audio waveform and some subtitles um, and the title of the podcast as a sort of teaser that could be, you know, 30, 60, 90 seconds, a couple of minutes long, um, which 
obviously is something, you know, short clips of video are a type of content that do very, very well on social media. That's something people are you know, quite happy to pause their scrolling for a, you know, a few seconds to a minute to watch something that might be of interest to them. So that's a way that you can uh, grab people's attention when you're promoting things socially in a way that a link or a, you know, a, a full length podcast, they might just go, ah, oh, maybe I'll look at that later. If you actually give them a little teaser of the content uh, in a form that they can listen to easily right then and there, um, then I think that's probably quite a good way to plant that in the brain. And maybe some of them will come back later and listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but even if they don't, you've got that one point across to them. Yeah, I think for me, the last time I, I don't really listen to podcasts when I'm sat at, at the the desktop, it's just not in the behavioral pattern, really. I'll listen to them on the commute. I'll listen to them when I'm out and about, when I'm doing the dishes or, or you know, in the garden or, or whatever, doing something that requires it to be hands-free. Mm-hmm. But what I will do on, on LinkedIn, I will stop scroll for maybe a 60-second soundbite of someone talking about demand generation or brand awareness or or you know the latest analytics software or whatever. So I, I will spare 60 seconds of a working day for that, but I, I probably would wait until I was in my sort of podcast zone before I'd, I'd actually... So, it, I mean, that's even more imperative that we that you get found, or if, if you're running a, a podcast, you get found on the listener's terms, so that you go into all of the relevant podcast players. Because if you're not in, if you miss out on Spotify or you miss out, miss out on Apple Podcasts, um, then you're missing your your audi- audience and you're, you're basically failing them from a UX perspective. Um, and, and of course, we we like to um, we like to give people the option of listening to it wherever, and that includes on the desktop. So if they are willing to sit down or have it on in the background, then they can do that. And that's where the sort of the the written piece with the embedded audio player sits in quite nicely. Um, and well, judging from the uh, from the analytics, we we do get most of our, our people who do actually listen to it in there. But then there's still a lot of people on the go with Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with all of that. <laughs> I think uh, it it might even we might even find that this changes as lockdown starts to lift because I think you know with everyone you know pretty much everyone working from home uh, sitting at home on their own in the home offices I know I've certainly been putting on podcasts while I work a lot more than I would do if I was in an office with lots of people around yeah um, so I haven't had the commute to listen to podcasts on um, but as part of the day i'm much more likely these days to, to listen to a podcast where i wouldn't have done before so i wonder if you know that's some somewhat a sort of sign at the times and as uh, things start to return to normal and people start to be going back to the office more we'll see more of a shift to you know listening on the mobile apps which is more what you'd expect from you know as you say the optimum environment to listen to podcasts you know when you're on the move you need your hands free yeah okay um okay so to wrap things up now um over the next three to five years i know you've we have just kind of touched on that but over the next three to five years um what do you see um the the future or the role of the podcast in in a marketing manager's um toolbox um yeah so as we've sort of touched on i i think it's something that people have started paying more attention to since uh the coronavirus situation and the lockdown uh, as I've said, because it's a kind of content that you can produce while everyone's working remotely um, and still get pretty high quality out of it. Um, obviously, the same is true of written content, but it's perhaps harder to do uh, other kinds of in-person interviews and it's ha- definitely harder to do video shoots. Um, 
So I think it's grabbed more people's attention as a potential you know, avenue as another sort of content to work on. Um, I know from, from what we've heard, it's something that's been in people's minds for a while. It's like, yeah, maybe that would be good. You know, as we've said for the last two or three years of podcasts have had a bit of a resurgence, like, yeah, is there a way we can get into that? But I think because other options, you know, in-person video shoots, trade shows, you know, some of these other marketing channels have just become not possible. Um, podcasts have, uh, come more to the forefront and yeah, it will be interesting to see if that sort of sticks. And I think it probably will. I think a lot of people have been wanting to get into it for a while. I know we were. Absolutely. It's, it's something we've talked about doing, you know, doing this sort of thing for quite a long time. And it's been the lockdown situation that's, you know, sort of pushed us into doing it, but I don't think we're going to stop <laughs> even if we can do it in the office again. You know, I think we're only going to do more of it. Um, so yeah, I do think it's going to become more of a channel that people look to as, you know, as another, another sort of tool in the toolbox. Indeed. Yeah. I think it was that, it was that coronavirus kick up the backside that we got <laughs> uh, that sparked us into doing the podcast and we've not looked back now. We've got plenty of, uh, of other podcasts uh, coming in down the pike as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much for your time today and for sharing your expertise there. That's been fascinating and insightful. And of course, I'm forever in debt to you for producing this. <laughs> That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Will Suter of Azo Network there. If you have a question which you'd like us to discuss, please visit azonetwork.com slash podcasts and drop us a line. Don't forget to subscribe on all the podcast players. We'll see you next week when we talk high-performance sales with Oyin Bangbozi of ResponseTap. We'll see you then.